Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. And it is great to be here. I'll tell you what, what a privilege it is to read God's Word week in and week out. The Torah portions are relevant for today. And uh, just so you guys know, we are Christians with Torah, and the big deal for us is just taking away the veil from off of the Torah. It's not going to be so mysterious, right? It's God's teachings and instructions. It's loving instructions from a father to his children, and we're very excited about that. If you want to reach out to me, it's Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. We have people listening to this podcast from all over the world. Uh, this week, we had a lot of people listening from Israel. I believe they're listening to the interview that we did with uh, uh, Mr. Tommy Waller, the president and founder of Hayavel, uh, over there uh, in the Shomron on, uh, on Mount Gerizim. And uh, we had an awesome interview, so if you haven't listened to that interview yet, uh, make sure that you go back and find that. His name is Tommy Waller, uh, and they are just doing an awesome work in the land of Israel, helping the Jewish farmers over there redeem the land of Israel, and just helping Christians understand the importance of the land, the importance of Jerusalem, and why we should care. And so uh, this week, we are studying the Torah portion, Teruma, which means portion, and this can be found in the book of Exodus in chapter 25 and verse 1 and then ending in chapter 27 and verse 19. Wow, just putting down some little notes here. Uh, once again, uh, it's all about redemption, but it's also, uh, it's also about deliverance. Key word found in the book of Exodus is the word deliver. And of course, a key phrase found in the book of Exodus, as the Lord instructed Moses. So those of you listening to this podcast, we believe that the Lord is instructing you. And how Amen. is he doing that? but via his Holy Spirit with the Torah, teachings and instructions. Uh, this is an incredible book. It is, of course, uh, represents from groan to glory. Glory. And chapters 1 through 18 is all about deliverance and bringing the children of Israel out so they can bring them in. God can bring them in. That's chapters 19 through 40. Once again, teachings and instructions will be uh, those chapters. So what an exciting time we are living in. This is an incredible uh, Torah portion, Teruma portion. Once again, Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1, all the way through chapter 27 in verse 19. So right out of the gate here in, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 2. These are gifts for the tent, right? That's the uh, title. Gifts for the tent. Speak unto the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly. With his heart, ye shall take my offering. Wow, that's incredible. Now, here we go. So, what is the offering? Well, the following is the offering that the Lord wanted there was gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen. Goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, sheatim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Exodus chapter 25, verses 3 through 7, right out of the gate there, gifts for the tent. Remember, they took all these items from the Egyptians and they gave it to them. And, uh, and, and so it's interesting that, and, and the observation is this, you know, everything that God has given us, we give back to him. Amen. We use it for his glory, for his kingdom. And of course, it's important that you understand that uh, when it comes to the church or building something for God or any ministry, it has to be done willingly with your heart. It says, you shall take my offering. And so here's the question, and we can discuss this, Ryan, you and I, I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. Why can't we just give to God without a willing heart? Just give it. Yeah. Whatever. No, yeah. Well, you know, or fine, here you go. Or maybe you're just like <laughs> peer pressure. Yeah. Well, well everybody's giving. I might I should give. Well, I think the danger for those of I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know, unless you're just a uh, you know, 
what is it, uh, a skeptical observer, you know, just like, what is up with these Christians with Torah? Um, you know, if we jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says this, it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, first and foremost, why can't we give it you know, without a willing heart? Well, the answer is actually we can. We can give it without a willing heart, but God will not receive it. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Um, now, I think a lot of times we think of this from God's perspective, right? That we have to give willingly because that's what God wants. It's a free will. Right? It's but a ex- choice. Exactly right. It's but a choice. But from our end... Right, we have free will, so God wants this not out of uh, you know some autonomic you know um, you know just reaction or religious observance Robot program, right? Some program thing that you know your your parents told you you have to do this, so now you go and you do it. It's a tradition that you do it. It's a social club. You're actually doing it so other people will see you. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why somebody could do it, um, and and God would not necessarily accept it because God ultimately wants a relationship with us. And when we bring something to him with our willing heart, that to him is like is like a precious jewel, right? Like a segula. Segula. We've talked about segula a lot. If they don't know what segula is, I'm going to make them just look it up. We're not going to explain segula. And I guess, you know, if you think about it, even in regards to giving, Ryan, we know what was the, the, the first city that they took? Uh, Jericho. Jericho, right? And so, but what was the response there? Remember? Mm. They couldn't. They couldn't keep anything. Right. 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 So right. it was the first city. So it was their tithe. Right. It was right, a right. tithe city. And I then what did Achan do? He took things. Ooh, I don't like talking about Achan. Achan. No, I, I know. But what there's I'm a saying, little bit of us. All but, of but, Achan. You know, and all of us. There, there are some examples in the yeah. Bible that God is saying that you know the firstborn belonged to me, man or beast. Yeah. He talks about you know the principle of the tithe can be found in Abraham and even Jacob before the temple. Oh, absolutely. Uh, tithing is a principle. Giving is a principle. Yeah, and you know what it is? Nope. It's funny because if, if you know, when Yeshua takes all of these principles and he takes them to the next level, right? And so what the Torah gives in many cases, maybe not every case, but in many cases, is like the lowest standard, right? This is the, the baseline standard. So God's saying the tithe or that 10%, that's the baseline. So like if you were wondering, hey, well, you know, am I, is my heart in line with God's heart and when it comes to giving? Well, the question is, are you giving at least 10%? And if the answer is yes, then you're on your way. Amen? That's good. That's good. Now, I was just looking over this uh, looking over this, this particular interesting observation here with, with Jericho. But anyway, uh, we'll move on. But anyway, uh, a lot to think about in regards to that. Once again, you know, if you think of the Bible as principles, oh, you're going to be so much better off in your understanding. And so that's really important. Uh, and of course, you know, we have this question here, what did the Lord want the people to make him and why? Uh, well, he wanted a sanctuary that he may dwell among them. Isn't that cool? So a That's real place, super cool. yeah, a oh, yeah. real place, you know, and, and, and just, uh, just to share with all of you, there's a lot of controversy over the, the future temple, this third temple, but let me remind all of you that, um, God loved the first temple and the second temple, and God is going to love the third temple too. Remember that, you know, and we say, well, we are the temple of God, and so we, we evolve and do this progressive revelation, which, which is true. We're lively stones being built up together. Yeshua is the head. We are the body. But don't forget that that's where his name is. And of course, for, for them to build a temple is not going against God. Well, and let me... It's just not, let me, you know, because I, mean, I know as Christians, we have mixed emotions about that or mixed feelings or ideology Okay, I'm not denying that we're we're not the temple. We are the temple. Yeah, but here's the, the deal. Let, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something that just like you know how sometimes you have like 20 watt light bulbs, and then sometimes you have like 50 watt light bulbs, and then like yeah, that's got, when my four year old jumps on me. I had a hundred watt light bulb go off wow. while I was in Israel. A hundred watt. Now check this out. Because okay? you were on the temple mount. I was on the temple. Go mount. ahead, rub it in. All right, so you'll pay later. Uh huh. So go so ahead. here's the deal. Yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But the Shekinah glory of God that dwells among the people, right? That, that manifest presence that dwells among the people, it dwells in his dwelling place where he puts his name. And so was Yeshua zealous for the temple? 
He was. Right? So at 12 years old, even as a young boy, before he's, you know, bar mitzvahed, right? Before he becomes a real, you know, quote unquote man. Yeah, he wandered off. He wandered off. Where did he go? I, th- I think he went to the temple. And what did he call it? He said, I had to be in my father's house and do my father's business. And it was a big deal to him. It was. He wow, wanted to be point. in his father's house. And then, point. And then, right? You know, uh, the court of the Gentiles is the outer court, right? It's the place where if the temple is, you know, a house of prayer for all nations, and this is the place that anybody and everybody from the nations can come and they can pray, they can bring their offerings, the priest will accept them on their behalf, you know, do the sacrifice, all of that stuff, right? They can come there. Well, what happened is the money changers had a place outside of that because when people would come up for the feasts, they would change their money and they would do, you know, whatever, right? Um, they would buy, you know, uh, there's, you know, a, a provision in the Torah that, you know, hey, if you've got an offering, but you can't carry it all the way to Jerusalem. But they were cheating the people out of the sacrifices, You can right? sell it. You can yeah. make your way over there. But here's what they did. They moved up into Solomon's porch. They moved up into the court of the Gentiles. So when Yeshua sees a place that's supposed to be for prayer and it's being used for money changers, he goes in there and he turns over yeah. tables and he whips people. And he people... scoped it out first, though. Remember that. But why? Because he's zealous for Zion. That's right. He was, he was protecting the holiness and the sanctity of his father's house. Amen? That, that's a good point, Ryan. And, and just, to, just to go along with that, the golden calf incident. Ooh. Now, here's the thing. So they worshiped the golden calf, so they committed idolatry, and they contaminated the place. Oh, yeah. So what did God have to do? Remember, it's just like the Day of Atonement. There's two goats. One's what? One goat is offered up for the place. Right. To, san- to sanctify the place. Right. To offer that goat up. The other one, all the sins of the people are put on it, and it's sent out to be pushed off a cliff in the wilderness. Yeah. So interesting point to be made that something had to die because the place was defiled. And what three things are defiled? Skin, clothing, homes. That's right. And leprosy. Skin, clothing, and homes. So we got to keep our homes clean. So if, if it's not enough that Yeshua loved the temple and that he loved that place, right? If that's not enough to convince the average Christian, then if you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, is the Antichrist going to set himself up inside of you and declare himself God? Well, the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. I mean, it, it is, but I think that is a bigger point, right? No, absolutely. That there has to be a holy temple, and in order for it to ever be desecrated, which is a good point, there has to be. It has to first be holy, and that means that it has to be built, and it has to have God's presence dwell within it, and it has to be set apart and holy for Him. And it is only at that point would it qualify as the place that the Antichrist would want to come and desecrate. Right? And that's in Thessalonians. That's a good point, Ryan. Yeah. We're going we're to move on here, but, but in Exodus chapter 25, verse 9, uh, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So we take the scriptures literally. So Moses is given this pattern from heaven. Oh, by the way, there's a tabernacle in heaven. We're going to talk about that. Uh, the word pattern uh, is number 8403 in the Strong's Concordance. It's the Hebrew word tabneth, and it means structure, model, resemblance, figure, form, likeness, and similitude. Okay? And so, once again, so God has the children of Israel build the tabernacle from the inside out. So, here, here it is, Ryan. What was the first piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, which is, of course, going to be located in the Holy of Holies. So we got a little description here of the Ark. The Ark was made of sheatim wood, overlaid with pure gold, and had staves put into the rings so it could be carried. The testimony was put into the Ark, and the mercy seat was to sit upon the Ark. So that is some of the description there, and we have a little more here. And I like in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, we have a purpose here. It says right here in Exodus 25, 22. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Now, what comes to mind here, the cherubims and the mercy seat. Think about the two cherubims. What was stationed outside the Garden of Eden so Adam and Eve could not go back into the garden? Uh, two cherubims with a flaming sword. Yeah, two cherubims. And what is Satan? 
Uh, he was a cherub. Wow. Satan was a cherub. Oh. So once again, you have seraphim, cherubims. But anyway, uh, we're not going to get into whole angelology here. But but once again, Satan is, is a cherub. And, uh, and so once again, uh, I want you to picture the Ark of the Covenant as a throne. You know, uh, it flies through the air. It's an incredible thing. Uh, this Ark of the Covenant is, is like God's throne. And that's where he dwells. And he sits. It's a mercy seat. Mm, yeah. So someone has to sit on it. I just got that. Yeah. Mercy seat. Yeah. So think of the, the Ark of the Covenant as the throne. And he's in the Holy of Holies. And there's a curtain in front of him with cherubs on it, the cherubim. Yeah. And of course, that's that's what it is. And so we only share that because this is important. Uh, because why? Because when the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom, God was trying to get to us. Amen. It's not so much us trying to get to him. So what I'm saying to all of you listening to this podcast, Yeshua has given us access to boldly come to the throne of grace. Amen. You're not trying to work your way to the Holy of Holies. You already have access to it. You just have to take the right steps. And there's a great teaching that I do on our YouTube channel. You can find it. Where are you in the tabernacle? Uh, I break it up into, into outer court, inner court, holy of holies. But this is something, once again, why? It's a pattern, Ryan. It's a pattern. Uh, so this is what's going to be very interesting. Of course, we know that it's made of pure gold. Gold is deity. Royalty. I mean, it's right there. Gold is deity. Uh, Ryan, if you don't mind, uh, check this out, everybody. This is what's really, really cool. The Ark of the Covenant can be found in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. I'm going to have Ryan read that. The Ark of the Covenant can be found in Revelation. Uh, the Apostle John, he saw this, he wrote it down. And what is Revelation? But Jesus revealed, Yeshua revealed, the Messiah revealed. So he's going to read Revelation eleven nineteen, 19, and then we're going to give another reference after that. But go ahead and read that, Ryan. It says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the Ark of his Testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. The Ark of the Covenant, what does it say? It says the Ark of the Testament. So what's the Testament but the Ten Commandments? That's right. It's the commandments. That's the Testament. Right, that's the right? covenant, right? That's the covenant. Now, that's pretty cool. What about Revelation 15.5, Ryan? All right, so 15.5 says, And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. Read that again. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. The tabernacle of the testimony, which is what? It's the ark. Yeah. There it is. It's part of it. So, wow, isn't that incredible? <laughs> and and just just remember, you know, what, what did David say? He said, I hide under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. Right. So, so David's tabernacle was quite different because it didn't have all these... All these curtains and things. Right. It was it was the Ark of the Covenant was out in the open. So the restoration of the fallen booth of David can be found in Acts, and I do believe Amos, those two cross references. This is a big bunny trail. But <laughs> sure it is, is the Ark of the Covenant. But to hide under the shadow of the wings of the mighty, those are the wings of the cherubim. And mm-hmm. so he would draw close to the Ark of the Covenant and seek God. Amen. So he had access. And, and of course, King David is the only one that's a prophet, priest, and king like Yeshua. So we're going to move on because we got to get to the second piece of furniture, uh, which the Lord gave instructions to build. And what is that, Ryan? It's the table of shoebread. That's right. Showbread. <laughs> Showbread. Show enough. It's located in the inner court. Now we're out of the Holy of Holies. Now we're in the inner court. The table of showbread was made of sheatim wood, overlaid with pure gold, had two borders, and had staves to carry it. Once again, two borders. You know, it's like President Trump wants to build that wall. We should build it. Well, two. here... The table of showbread had two walls, yeah. two borders. Build that wall. A handbreadth. So if you put your hand down, that's the distance between the two, the two borders. So that's very interesting. And staves to carry it. Uh, the dishes, spoons, covers, and bowls were all overlaid with pure gold. It says here in Exodus twenty-five thirty, and thou shalt set upon the table of showbread before me always. Now, once again, the table of showbread. Don't have a lot of time to go into detail about it. But the bottom line is that it represents the 12 tribes because there are 12 loaves. Right. It also represents Shabbat or the Sabbath because that's when the loaves would have been changed out. It's interesting that only the priests could eat that bread, the, the show bread. And David had a situation with his mighty men where he was starving, he was hungry, and he asked the priest uh, if, if they had any food. He says, well, all we have is the show bread. And so David was able to eat that showbread because of his circumstances. He was able to give that showbread to his men 
and they did eat. So once again, uh, Table of Showbread is all about identity. It's all about the uh, 12 tribes or the 12 loaves. And of course, it's located in the inner court. And that's very important uh, to know. Any last thoughts on the Table of Showbread, Ryan? I just think it's cool. Um, identity and Shabbat, wow. Yeah, when I look in um, when I look in the back of the Chumash, uh, and you get to see what the showbread looks like from like a Temple Institute idea, from what the art scroll uh, group has put together. It's a, it's a lot different than what I'd imagine. I'd imagine this unleavened, you know, flat pieces of bread just stacked on top of each other, just six and six, just kind of sitting there, right? A little like pita pockets just sitting on top yeah, of each other. that's my version. Right, Thanks, right. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> just shoot me down, baby. But, uh, but it's got like, it's almost got like this case with these shelves, right? And it's very, it's displayed very nicely. Interesting. Because it's show bread, right? It's the show bread. It's to show the bread. So it's just interesting. You know, it's almost like a, a bakery case, you know, with, with these right. loaves stacked on it. And uh, and they actually have a, a special shape. And it just, it reminds me of how, you know, uh, the, the, everything in the tabernacle is unique and specific to the tabernacle. And it's in heaven. And because it's holy and because it's it's created after the pattern in heaven. And that in and of itself, I think, is, is just super cool because it's so set apart and it's so holy because these, these people and this pattern is meant to honor God. So the question is, you know, when you're coming to the table and you're fellowshipping with other people, everybody is unique, right? Everybody's from a different tribe, so to speak. What are we doing together to honor God? That's good. You know, you know, Ryan, like I said, Where Are You in the Tabernacle is a great teaching. They just need it to go is. on their YouTube channel and check it out because it would make sense in our life what's going on. We can develop this even more later in these, in these Torah portions. But, you know, as far as where's the table of showbread in the book of Revelation, I, I, maybe it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Maybe that's the table. Hmm. You know, and also you'll find out that, um, as far as I know, I, I don't remember seeing a laver in the book of Revelation, uh, a laver of brass or anything, but I know that there's a river. A, right. li- a, a river of living water coming out of the throne room of Jerusalem. But once again, you know, this is interesting because the third piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build was, of course, the menorah. Once again, located in the inner court. Uh, now, the menorah was made from a talent of gold and in one piece. That's right. All well, that's gold. the mystery. Pure gold. I mean, you know, gold is very soft and, and, it, and, it, and you know, something of that weight, one talent of gold in one piece, uh, would, would fall over. So it's a miracle that they could make this and it could stand up and be used. Mm-hmm. There's, su- there's a mystery behind it. Uh, the menorah had seven lamps. So the very middle is called the shamash, or the servant candle, and then three to the left and three to the right, and it, seven means, of course, completion. Uh, it's also a picture of the Holy Spirit and the oil as well. Uh, the tongs and snuff dishes were made of pure gold. Uh, the menorah can be found in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, uh, and in Revelation uh, chapter 1 and verse 13, and Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. You want to go into Revelation and just check that out. Um, an, an interesting point here, just to, to, to encourage all of you listening. If you want to study prophecy, check out the book of Daniel. And once you study that, then go into the book of Zechariah, because that is the bridge to the book of Revelation. Uh, I learned that from Perry Stone. Uh, it's a very interesting observation. Uh, Daniel is the skeleton of prophecy. And of course, Zechariah is the bridge that will take you from there to the book of Revelation. So something to think about. It'll definitely take up a lot of your time. That's right. So, so let's check out Revelation chapter 1, verse 13 in regards to the menorah. It says, in, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about with paps with a golden girdle. In Revelation 4, 5. In Revelation 4, verse 5 says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Wow, boy, a lot of, a lot of allegory, a lot of types and shadows. Very interesting, a lot of allegory. Um, so once again, you know, we, we have uh, the ark, the table of showbread, and now the menorah. Uh, real quickly here, because we're going to be learning about the altar of incense later, but I want to throw this in real quick just to get it in. The Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant is, and we know that Yeshua Jesus has given us access to boldly come to the throne of grace. So we're not trying to to get to the Holy of Holies or get into the Holy of Holies. So as I share with you this incredible observation, uh, oh, and by the way, from the air, 
an aerial view of this tabernacle and the furniture, it is shaped like a cross. So for those of you that don't like the symbol of the cross or whatever, uh, check that out. So, so go just, ahead. Um, it, it, we read in Revelation about the, it says the seven spirits of God there in chapter four. Right. And you always wonder, well, what are, I thought there was one Holy Spirit. What are the seven spirits right. of God? So Isaiah chapter 11 verses one and two kind of give you a clue That's right. into that. And so I want to read that just for everyone so we can let scripture interpret scripture here. And it says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And it shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and shall uh, smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So pretty pretty cool. You know, th that's interesting, Ryan, because in all my years of studying the tabernacle and the furniture, there are six pieces, and six means the number for man. It's not necessarily bad, but like 666 is the number for man three times. It's three series of sixes. You know, it's the number for man. Uh, and so man is always attempting to do things outside of God. Uh, man has his own ways, right? Right. Uh, remember, Boy, you know, his we. thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, his ways are not our ways. But but in closing this particular uh, portion of the Torah portion, I want to share with all of you a, a very profound revelation and, and an experience that I'm even experiencing now. The inner court is really where we're at in the Hebrew roots movement. And so what I would like to tell you is that, you know, as you go through this tabernacle, you come to the, 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 the altar of burnt offering, the brazen altar, and Jesus is our sacrifice. We make our way to the laver, we wash our hands, the washing of the water of the word. And notice that the outer court is exposed to the elements, you know, and two means a witness. You need two witnesses to establish a matter. So there you have the altar and the laver. Well, a lot of us said, hey, what's behind the curtain? So we pull the curtain back and we go inside the, the inner court. Now you're out of the outer court and you're in the inner court. And it's interesting because the menorah is the only thing that gives light in this dark place. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm telling you, it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can understand the Hebrew roots movement. So when the menorah is shining and the shamash is the servant candle and this menorah is lit up and it's, of course, serviced every evening uh, and every morning, um, what does this menorah shine on but the table of showbread? So once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, even with the evidence of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, this, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is, which is really, really scriptural. We won't get into all the gifts uh, that Paul talks about. But this, this table is shown by, by the light of the menorah, and there's 12 loaves. And once again, it represents identity. So now that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're born again and you're a child of God and, and you see this, now all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, here's this table of showbread. One loaf represents each tribe. And I am part of the commonwealth of Israel because once I was far away, Christ has brought me near Ephesians 2, the commonwealth of Israel. And of course, we are grafted into the olive tree, which represents Israel. And notice that these loaves are changed out every Shabbat. So the challenge is this, though, Ryan, because the third piece of furniture in the inner court, like a little triangle there, is the altar of incense. It's about praying and knowing what to pray for and who to pray for. And, and I only share that because right now there's a lot of spirits out there and familiar spirits. And so it's hard to get anybody to come to the table and, and, and break bread and have fellowship because from there we are to pray God's will. Uh, that's why we're hooking up with High Yovel. We believe that, that High Yovel is hearing from God and they are serving God in his perfect will. And so... We want to join forces and, and, and join them uh, as they are the pioneers and they've done all the hard work and just support what they've already done and what they are doing. So check it out, Hayuvel. So, so I'm only saying that because that's how easy it is to understand the movement, Ryan. If you get a bunch of goofball, goofballs, they're not going to come to the table and they're not going to know what to pray for, right? That's right. I mean, think about it. So it's that simple, but yet it's that difficult, you know, so close and yet so far. And I just want to encourage you that are listening to this podcast, that lesson, okay? Because if this tabernacle is in heaven, it's telling you his redemptive plan. It's showing you how to come in and how to go out. Matter of fact, in the tabernacle, there's only one way in and one way out. You can't jump the fence. You can't crawl under, you know? And that's the thing that we have to remember. And that's why you should always treat people with respect, even the stranger. The Bible talks about be kind to the stranger because we all got to come in and out of the East Gate, we all got to pass the altar and the labor to get into the inner court and to That's bow right. down 
before the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. And to call upon the name of the Lord. So just just my own observation after 20 years of studying the tabernacle, I hope it helps you. There's only one Holy Spirit. Really, don't grieve him. Don't quench him. Let him come into your life. Though a righteous man falls seven times, you can still get up. I know this is power-packed. It, it is life-changing. You know, and just say, Lord, give me, give me the Holy Spirit. No other spirit will I let dwell in me or around me you know and we have familiar spirits we have to we have to deal with that so once again we've discussed the three pieces of furniture this is of course the holy of holies in the inner court now we're going to go into the curtains in uh, exodus chapter 26 so ryan how many curtains were made for the tabernacle uh 10 10 10 and 10 is a minion Remember what Abraham said, if there be 10 righteous men, would you save this city? He said, oh boy, I sure would. That's right. Oh, but let me tell you, there aren't 10 men. There aren't. No. No, there wasn't 10. And that's why we, when you see Jews and they, and they, they pray publicly, they, they have to have 10. Uh, they have yeah, to have yeah. a minion. That's right. So something to think about. Also, the, you know, how many of the 10 lost tribes are not lost? They're not. God what about the right 10 days are. of all? Ooh. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so it, these curtains were made of fine twine linen, blue, purple, and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work or embroidery. You know, God loves his little cherubs. He does. Those fat little pudgy angels. Uh, have you seen those? Uh, I don't think that's oh, and, and by the way, let me throw this out <laughs> to some of you. There's no such thing as female angels. Let me help you out with that. There's no female mm. angels. They're all male. Mm. Very interesting. That's why the fallen angels wanted to lay with the women. Oh, that'll preach. That, that'll, that'll, that, there's a rabbit trail. Yeah, it is Here definitely. Peter Cottontail. Yeah, I've been down Hopping that rabbit trail down before. The bunny trail. So anyway, um, and we have 50 loops for each curtain. 50 is for Jubilee. For 10 curtains, that's 500 loops. That's, in, that's, in, that's unbelievable. That's, now remember, now, now what is blue? Blue is heaven. Purple is royalty. And scarlet is redemption. That's right. Scarlet. Scarlet. Remember, Rahab the harlot put the scarlet thread so that she could be... Passed over, redeemed. That's right. Her house would be saved. Oh, come on, somebody. That's right. And you know what? You know what? That 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 that, I that just preaches little, today, man. I That's just did a little bunny chair right there for Rahab the harlot. There you go. You oh, did. There it is. Because how many of us were harlots, right? No, I, I don't want to go there. But are we willing? Are we willing to drop the scarlet thread? You know, Mary Magdalene was a very interesting person. You know, they accused her of being a prostitute. I, I don't believe so. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, uh, but, she but, had seven but, devils. But I will say that she had seven devils. Yeah. But she was the first person to see Jesus uh, when right. he rose. So for those of you listening to this podcast, you, you need to work on your uh, self esteem. You got to have high self esteem because you're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself well and if you haven't been serving the lord and and working towards his purposes up until now or up until recently so to speak then just think about all the work you got to get done to make up for the time you've lost and you know like i said curtains are borders you know that's why there's a big debate right now about globalism versus nations Mm. and god created nations matter of fact the the number 70 with borders with borders and so once again globalism is not of god Mm-mm. You know, he and I love this. I just got done reading this book about nations. It was very, very well done. I'll have to get the name later uh, by an Orthodox Jew in Israel. But uh, you know, God didn't tell the Jewish people or the children of Israel take over the world. No, He didn't. He gave them borders. That's right. He gave them borders. So something to think about. Which everybody. those borders are much bigger than the current state of Israel. So let's make Israel great again. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> so we have, of course. Uh, what two other animal skins were used as a covering for the tabernacle? That's going to be uh, ram skins dyed red and an unknown animal's skin. Yes, badger skins, <laughs> otherwise known in the King James Version. So check that out. So ram skins dyed red and badger skins used to cover the tabernacle, which is going to cover what? The, the inner court and the Holy of Holies. Now, Shea Tim Wood was used for the tabernacle, and 48 boards were used. And the boards were overlaid with gold. Gold. Isn't that cool? Now, why would that be? Because the boards made up the tabernacle. Yeah. So you're in the outer court, right? You've got this border. We'll talk about the pillars or whatever. We'll talk about the, um, well, the, the boundaries, right? 
the dimensions, the, the fence, right? Where you want to call it the the sockets and everything. But uh, but anyway, think about it that you know this particular structure is is made of gold. So when you pull that curtain back and you have those pillars, uh, you're going to be like, whoa, check this out. You know, gold is deity. It's it's the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. I love that how God has done this. Once again, we're looking at principles and protocol. And of course, in Exodus 26.30, Ryan, why don't you check that out and read that for me? All right, 26.30, it says, And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. Once again, he's going back to that pattern. Now listen, I showed you how to build this. Now you build it. Well, and you know what? It's a pattern, right? And right. so this dawned on me. I, I was a bit confused because I was like, well, you know, how do you go from the tabernacle and that being, you know, so specific with the instructions to the temple? But if you think about it, it's the same pattern, pattern just like the one when they had the tabernacle at, um, at Shiloh for Actually, 300. Solomon, he went over the top on some of these things. Oh, man. He had absolutely. a lot of labors. So did Herod. So did Herod when he decorated it and everything. Extended it. Uh-huh. Right. So the... Um, but in Shiloh for 369 years, they didn't use, uh, you know, the curtains, so to speak, for the Holy of Holies and the inner court. They had a a a, uh, a stone, um, a stone building that they built, almost like a temple, uh, there for this specific purpose. And then they built a, a stone fence around it. So it's the same pattern, just different materials. And so uh, that's why this verse is so important in understanding that. That thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. That it's this pattern, right? That uh, that Hebrew word tabnith, which was uh, eighty four oh three. Pretty uh, pretty cool stuff. Where am I? I'm over here on twenty six thirty. Number twelve. That's right. So how was the veil made? So how was the veil made? Is made of blue, purple, scarlet, fine twine linen, and of cunning work with cherubims. And that cunning work is uh, is understood to be embroidery. And within the veil, uh, the ark of the testimony shall divide between the holy place and the most holy place. Um, and that's Exodus 26.33. And then if we jump down to 26.35, And thou shalt set the table without the veil, and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south. And thou shalt put the table on the north side. So it's showing you exactly the where everything of goes. The furniture. Right. You know, they say, like, when you go home, some of you listening to this, if you, if you go to your house and move your furniture around, it but, actually gives you a psychological uh, lift. Yeah. Psychologically, it helps you. Or it messes you up. <laughs> it can't. Well, it, it's got to be correct. It, it's got to be functional. But yeah. I'm saying that go home and move your furniture around. But God has given us a specific order to place these things. So if you're, if you're looking straight at the Holy of Holies, you know there's five pillars. There's five pillars because you're going to be making your way to the Torah. Oh, yeah. So you pull the curtain back, menorahs to your left, table of showbread to the right, altar of incense is right before the Holy of Holies. And notice, once again, there are these cherubs. There well, are. God loves his cherubs. He does. He does. He loves those little, I don't know, fat, pudgy. They're not creatures. fat or pudgy. Know. That's what I saw on the Hallmark card. Uh, but anyway. Uh, that was Valentine's Day Hallmark a cherub, card. We're not even going to go there. Well, you think about it. God's a creator. He is. So, you know, it's interesting, all these things that he's created. You know, even the Leviathan and all these things, we just wonder, what is this? Or the behemoth, you know. Uh, and so within the veil of the Ark of the Testimony shall divide between the holy place and the most holy. Once again, you cannot go into the Holy of Holies except once a year on the Day of Atonement. So that's a whole nother story. But remember, when Jesus died, he gave up the ghost. He said, it is finished. The temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Those curtains were so thick. There's no way it could have just happened uh, by accident. Uh, so how many pillars were there before the holy place? We talked about that. Five. five, meaning grace. Also, the five books in the Torah. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and continue on here in, in number 15. I'll let you take it from here, and, and we'll, we'll do this together. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. It says, uh, what was the fourth piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build? You would think that it would be the altar of incense, but it is actually the altar of burnt offering, the brazen altar. No, if, if we put these four together, Ryan, as you describe the burnt offering in a moment here, I want everybody to think about this. So just look at the order. So we know that the ark represents the throne. And he says, now I want you to make a table of showbread. Why? Because God wants fellowship. Yeah. He loves to eat. You know, Jesus had fish fries. But he wants to eat with people that have the right spirit. That, that's true. But what I'm saying, Jesus yeah. had a fish fry. Remember, he rose from the dead. He's on the, he's on the shore. Yeah. Cooking fish. That's right. 
So these fish fries are biblical. <laughs> you know, it's funny that... Never what are you mind. laughing? Don't the, go there. Don't go the there. The Catholic Church across the street from me has got a fish fry on Friday nights. And I'm just, telling you. I was ribbing so, my wife, like, hey, you want to go to the fish fry? I'm telling you, Jesus loved to eat everybody. Listen, the last week of Yeshua, he was at his friend's house to have supper. You can yeah. check that out for yourself. True. So so here's the throne. He says, build me a table of showbread, because he's already got the cherubs. He's already created them. Yeah. He said, this table of showbread is going to be like the marriage supper of the lamb. This is where we're going to have fellowship. We're going to laugh and have food and fun. And then he says, then I want you to build a menorah. What's mm-hmm. the menorah? A picture of his spirit, his ruach. Yeah. He says, I'll keep this ruach together for the table. His presence, a yeah, right the spirit, light. A right spirit, right? And then what does he do? He says, but let me make it perfectly clear. The next piece is the altar of burnt offering. Because mm-hmm. when you mess this up, yeah. when you grieve my spirit and you walk away from the table, you're going to need an offering. Oh, Come on, somebody. Oh, man, and he's man. our sacrifice once and for all. Ryan, this is incredible. Is. If we just acknowledge the, the things of God. Amen. If we just stop and say, I can't come to the Father except through the Son. What, what did God say from the heavens? This is my, my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Do as he says. Listen to him. You know. And I'm thinking, what a great avenue and an approach to God to just do that. Yeah. We have access to God because of the Son. And it's that simple. But there's so much debate over the Son. So, so think about that, Ryan. So let's go ahead and get into that altar of burnt offering located in the outer court. Yep, so the brazen altar was actually made of shiatim wood as well, but instead of being overlaid with gold, it was overlaid with brass. And brass is judgment. That's right, brass is judgment. Or That's copper, right. yeah. And so the four corners had horns overlaid with brass, uh, and they actually, there's stories that talk about, you know, you grab the, the horns of the altar, you of the shall altar. be holy, yeah. Yep. That happened to a couple of men. It did. Um, and I was talking to Miss Susie last night, and she mentioned that these horns, you know, you always, we always see them depicted, right? And they point, uh, the pointy end facing out. But she mentioned that uh, the horns had a purpose there, that they would use them almost as a funnel that they would pour the blood, and that had like a, almost like a, uh, like a plumbing system or whatever, that it would put all the blood in the right direction or whatever, something like that. And I've also heard it said that you can tie a sacrifice to it. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got to have some, like a... Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Hey, bet you just hang out right there while, you know, That's wait, interesting. wait your and, turn. And what, what's the altar? I mean, think about it. It, it, it proves it, it and it means ownership. That's right. And that's why the devil would have these people make all these different altars, just to, just to screw everything up. Yeah. Just to mess it up. Because the, the altar shows ownership, because it's attached to the earth, which, what, right? Yeah. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's right. So, so For all go the ahead earth and talk more about this brazen altar and, and, and some descriptions here. Yep, yep. So the pans, shovels, basins, flesh hooks, fire pans, and all the vessels uh, were made of brass as well. Uh, the grate was also made of brass. So this is like the grill, you know, um, on top of the altar. And so the fire would be underneath. And the, and the two staves of shiatim wood were overlaid with brass too. And were put uh, into the two rings on each side of the altar. Now, one of the interesting things about this is the the menorah was to be lit at all times, correct? That's right. And then so was the fire on the altar. Was fire should never go out. Should never go out. Now, I want you to just think about the logistics of how you know you have no propane. Okay, no, no, you know, gas piped in. You really had to service this thing, right? You had no uh, gasoline or anything, right? And the fire was to be lit at all times. Now, why was the fire to be lit at all times? What it, what is it? What is the purpose of having the fire on hey, the altar? Hey, we all, all come to, to the Lord at different times. That's right. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. Mine was in the evening. In March of ninety-two, it was in the evening. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it. You I know, remember. like two a.m. for it me. It was dark out. You know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the the fact that uh, you know it's so funny. Right. Some of these stores are open twenty-four-seven. And you know, it's like a, you would think it'd be a ghost town. You ever been to uh, Walmart in the middle of the night? No, you it's had? a ghost town. It is, it's not a ghost town. There's people there. I don't know. Sundays is when you don't want to go to Walmart. It's so weird. Like, why are there people? Like, you you know, you're there, and you're almost like judgmental of everyone else who's there. Like, shouldn't you be in bed? <laughs> right. But the point. I've never experienced that. But I mean, you know, interesting. Yeah, but the point is, is that people uh, come to the Lord at all different times of day. And what is the first thing that you need in order to approach when you're when you're looking at the way the tabernacle is set up? You need an offering. You need a sacrifice. And so that that fire has to be there and be available for people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's God's grace. The altar is a picture of God's grace. Hey, you can come to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I cannot wait to get into the next book. Oh, you mean, you mean, uh, uh, you're talking about numbers? 
the next book, Ryan. Deuteronomy? You have to know the order of the books to do the podcast, okay? <laughs> you have to at least know that. Go ahead, check it out, Ryan. Now, now I want you guys to understand something. We're trying to find this, this, these pieces of furniture in Revelation, in heaven. Mm. Uh, so if some of you have some insight as well, email us and let us know. But I want Ryan to go to Revelation 8.5. We can find the brazen altar in heaven. Revelation 8.5. That's right. This is great stuff, isn't it? Can you show me that in the New Testament? I mean, think about it, everybody. If these pieces of furniture were in Moses' tabernacle, they're in heaven. John, John saw them. Go ahead. All right. It says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Now, listen, there's two altars in these, in these scriptures. Yeah, I was in Revelation is, chapter 8, verses 1 altar. through 5. But here's the thing. Nadab and Abihu offered up strange fire. So this is just let Scripture interpret Scripture. I'm just going to give you a cross-reference here. They offered up strange fire, meaning that they did not take the fire from the altar in order to do the incense. So strange fire means it did not come from the altar. So what did they do? They broke protocol. And that's why God took them. That's right. We could all be an example. He could all take us out as an example. Thank God for his mercy and grace. I'll tell you, he would have taken me out a long time ago. So just remember that. You can find the brazen altar in heaven, Revelation chapter 8, verse 5. Now notice that he's hurling these, these prayers down to the earth. Now yeah. that is incredible. That means the prayers are being answered. That's right. We're praying God's perfect will. Yeah. So how many pillars were used in the tabernacle? Uh, if you add them up, all from uh, Exodus twenty six thirty two and also verse thirty seven, and then uh, twenty seven or chapter twenty seven ten through twelve, and then verses fourteen through sixteen, you take all those numbers, you add them up, you get sixty nine. Sixty nine. If you have a different answer, <laughs> please email us. Let us know. But we counted sixty nine. So, so in closing, with with Teruma, which means a portion, uh, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Of course, Teruma or portion. Exodus chapter twenty five verses. 1 through chapter 27 and verse 19 from a consensus of the group. This is what we do every Monday night. We use our facilitator's outline. So, Ryan, what two lessons did you learn from this particular portion? Well, um, first and foremost, I would say that God loves a willing offering. Because remember, all of these these uh, materials that were used <clears throat> were, were willing offerings given from the people in order to build God's house. And God loves this willing offering from these people's hearts so much that he uses it to decorate his house. And I think that that's pretty cool. His dwelling place. That he, the willing offering, you know, he loves it so much that that's where he wants to dwell. He wants to dwell where the people have brought their willing offerings. I thought that was pretty God cool. God loves a cheerful giver. He does. Right? God loves a cheerful that's awesome. giver. Well, I'll tell you, the one thing that stands out to me, I know we're supposed to have two things, but I'll give number two, is stick with the pattern. Oh, yeah. Stick with the pattern. You ever heard that expression, don't reinvent the wheel? Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Stick with the pattern, okay? And that's what we want to do. Stick with, I'm writing this down, the pattern. Well, Ryan, what an incredible Torah portion oh, here. Yeah. Wow. It's life-changing. Remember, everyone, read the Torah portions every week like a devotional. Yeah. Like a devotional. And get into it and check it out. Because you know what? There's so many discussions out there of nonsense. Oh. Just vain babbling. Babylon. And you could actually have a stimulating conversation with others in regards to the Torah portions and what God is doing in your life. And listen, you may think that people are going to reject you or, or, or criticize you, but I'm telling you, inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> inquiring minds want to know. And so strike up a good conversation. And remember, you don't have to have all the answers. Just throw out a big old question out there like, Hey, what do you think about the uh, the tabernacle, you know, of Moses and the furniture in it, you know? Yeah. And then just 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 throw out your bait out there, a little chum and the yeah. sharks come, but but and then say, Hey, you know, this this is in Revelation. This this these pieces of furniture are, are, are in heaven. And you can start an incredible conversation. Uh, I'll just give you an example real quick and then we'll let Ryan close. Uh, I was I was sharing at the table one time and I said, Hey you guys, did you know that uh you know, we're going to be celebrating the feast when Jesus comes back. And I just threw that statement out there. And they're like, show me. Really? They're like, they were shocked. Like, really? So I showed them. And they're like, man, I got to look into that. Praise God. Praise Love all God. of you. Appreciate yeah. you. We can't, we can't thank you guys enough for listening. Please give us some feedback. Because I'm going to tell you why. 
so we can give it over the podcast. Also, we'd like to share this with our congregation. Hey, we got an email from Norway. Yeah. Hey, we finally got that person from Gibraltar. Yeah. The mayor of Gibraltar. I don't know. So, so give us some feedback. Come on, somebody. Just do us that favor. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know who the mayor of Gibraltar is, but that'd be cool. You might need to check your spam or something. Maybe it's going into another folder or something. I'll check it. I'll check it. Yeah, <coughs> and if it is. Sending us, but we would love some feedback. I can't tell you enough how important it would be. Yeah, if it is going to my spam, I, I repent. But I don't think it is. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, in closing, let me just say that, uh, you know, the tabernacle is important. The temple will be rebuilt. And uh, I pray that, that it'll be in our days that, that my eyes will get to see uh, the temple uh, rebuilt and the glory of God dwelling in that place. Uh, what a sight to behold that must be. Uh, I mean, I just, I can't even imagine. And uh, I would just say that that's, that's what Yeshua uh, is going to be coming back to, and he'll be reigning from that place, uh, ultimately, when he squashes the, the Antichrist and crushes his head finally. Yes. And reigns for a thousand years. And, you know, let me just throw this out there to some of you. You know, we talk about access to God. Uh, and time doesn't permit me to go into it, but it actually says, like I said, I made reference to it in Amos, and then I do believe in Acts, that God is going to restore the fallen booth of David. Yeah. And there were no curtains. The ark was out in the open. That's right. And so I want to encourage you to, to come, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come to the Holy of Holies. Yeah. Come with all your junk, all your baggage, and, and he, will, he will forgive you. He will receive you, you know, because we are going to return. Um, and, and like I said, that's just something to think about. I mean, really and truly, don't, don't, don't stay away. Is, is the road that you're on leading to God? Amen. Amen. All right, guys, bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, what an awesome tour portion. A lot, of, um, a lot of things that are in the natural that represent things in the spiritual here. We can go a lot of different ways with this. Um, we just appreciate you guys sticking with us week in and week out, um, listening and uh, supporting us. You can go to our website and uh, at twopraise.net if you want to live stream our services or you want to send us an email. Um, you can do that there. Uh, you can email me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, twopraise.net. Uh, and you can also check us out on social media uh, where you can also live stream us on YouTube or see any of the archived uh, sermons. And then, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, whether it be on Android, if you're using SoundCloud is probably the best place. If you're on uh, iPhone, then using the podcast app is probably the best place. But uh, either way, we just we love you. And we thank you for supporting us and continuing to listen and continuing to share it with your friends. Uh, the word of God will go out and it will not be void or null. So we just thank you for, for sharing. Uh, bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>